What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this rip of TFTC. Sat down. Four-person pod today. Texas Slim, Cole Bolton from KNC Cattle Ranch here in Austin, Texas, and Austin's own future mayor, Parker Lewis. Talk about the Beef Initiative con- Conference in Kerrville, Texas this weekend. If you can get there, get there. Thebeefinitiative.com. Beefinitiative.com. One of those. You should be able to find it. Important stuff going on right now, guys. Your problems aren't going to be fixed by the politicians. We're going to have to fix it ourselves. The Beef Initiative is doing great things. It's fixing the world in its own way. It's not waiting on anybody else. We can do this, freaks. Yes, sir, it was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here help you eliminate single points of failure in your Bitcoin security model and to give you financial services so that you can use your Bitcoin to do cool things. Like use it as collateral to get dollar liquidity if you need it. You don't have to sell your Bitcoin. You can put Bitcoin up as collateral. Good for taxes too that way. They have an IRA product. And of course, they have their, their Volt product. Which is a two or three multi-sig collaborative custody model. You hold well, two keys, excuse me. Unchained holds one. You always have control over UTXOs in the vault. Or if you're ever in the pinch, Unchained is there to be the second in the two or three multi-sig. Quorum, they have a white glove concierge service going to take you from zero to having that set up with a thousand cuck bucks worth of sets in it. Tell them TFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off that package. Go to Unchained.com. Unchained.com. I need to enunciate. Make sure I'm driving people to the right websites. Unchained. Dot com. Check out everything they have going on. This room is also brought to you by good friends at Brains. Brains. Hung out with the Brains team a lot. Last couple of weeks in Houston, we had Edward Evenson there. BTC Gandalf was there. Last week in Miami, Edward Everson. Excuse me, Evenson. He doesn't like when I mess up his name intentionally. Uh, he was there following me around Miami as well. He wasn't whipping uh, firmware devs to get the the what's miners out. I saw Daniel, my boy Dan Frumps. I saw Jan as well. The brain share behind brains. The brains behind brains, if you will. The man is bringing you. The firmware that helps you stack more sets. With your hash. If you have an ASIC and it's compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you're, u- you're leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. This is what the Brains team does. It's not just me just saying Brains. They actually make shit. They're a team behind Slush Pool. They make this firmware. They have insights.brains.com. That's Brains with two I's. I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. Is their mining data page. Everything you need to know about the mining industry is there. Brains.com is their regular website. You can learn about Slush Pool. You can learn about the mining metrics. They have a blog. And of course, you can learn about the firmware. Again, if you have an ASIC that's compatible with this firmware and you're not using it, you're leaving sats on the table. How do you want to increase your, your, the productivity of your mining operation without pouring any more CapEx into it? You simply download the Brains OS Plus firmware. Very, very simple. 
Go check it out. Everything we got going on, brains.com. This room is also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you a no KYC AML lending platform that allows you to use your Bitcoin as collateral to get stable coin liquidity. You go to lend.hodlhodl.com, L-E-N-D dot H-O-D-L, H-O-D-L dot com. You put your Bitcoin up into a multi-sig escrow account. You hold one key. Your counterparty holds a key. Hoddle Hoddle holds the third key. You put your Bitcoin up as collateral. You get stable coin liquidity. You go spend that however you see fit. As long as you're paying that loan back, plus the interest, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. And since you have one key in that two or three multi-seek quorum, you have visibility into the escrow account throughout the duration of the loan. You know that those Bitcoins aren't being rehypothecated. So you're going to have certainty that your sats are going to be there when you pay back the loan, plus the interest at the end of the day. And they're going to be sent back to you. So go check everything that they've gone on at lend.hodlhodl.com. They've also got HodlHodl as a decentralized exchange as well. No KYC, no AML. They're doing incredible things out of Latvia. Whew. Enjoy this trip. It was a good one. A little bit, a little bit more invigorated after. Love you, free. Okay. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. The studio is a lot different than the last time you guys were here. Man, this is awesome. It looks really, really good. It's a very good use of space. <laughs> yeah, we were bumping knees in the corner over there by the window. We were. Yeah. It felt kind of 70s to me. Yeah. It, it was. But what, this is much, this is a step up. What does this feel? Feng Shui. Feng Shui. Yeah. Feng Shui master right here. Yeah, it took us a little bit, but. Uh, I, I learned that Parker Lewis is one of the most anal retentive people I've ever met in my life <laughs> when, we were, when we were organizing this, this studio. I just wanted your studio to be beautiful. It is beautiful. Thank you. Do I, you wake up at night having anxiety because of his anal retardedness? No, I, I, be, we were sprinting for the Bitcoin takeover. And the week leading up to that, mm-hmm. there was a lot of pressure to get it done. And we got it done. It looks yeah. wonderful. Sometimes you just need that uh, galvanizing force to, to bring things together. Yeah. And that's what we're here to talk about is a galvanizing force, uh, Kerrville, Texas, this Saturday, the Beef Initiative Conference. We're here to talk and continue the conversation we've been having since what, October, November? Yeah, 1st of October, I believe, was the first time we spoke. Yeah. And um, we've got the first Beef Initiative Conference this weekend. Things are going crazy around the world. We're bringing Parker in because Parker's been getting very passionate about this particular subject. And uh, again, I told you guys, I want to start with you, Parker, because you seem to have a sense of urgency in regards to uh, the food issue that that seems to be growing. You are getting very passionate about it, um, which is not surprising, but it's just like, it's been interesting to watch you be like, yo, we need to secure our beef. Yeah, I think, I think about it in a broader context. I mean, I think first off, Marty, you interviewed Slim in your old studio on the porch. Um, must have been January or February. Maybe brought him back Before on. then, it was like November. Yeah. November. It was it was, it was was the fall, so. 
Yeah, and then um, you guys, uh, both Cole and Slim, recorded in the studio um, before it had the, the, you know, the progressive feng shui. But uh, <laughs> then uh, Slim had organized an event with Cole at Cooper's, and you know, it's a kind of a combination. Got a chance to sit down with with both. I'd spoken on the phone with uh, Slim before, but then spoke with Cole and Slim over in our office, and then went to that event. And I think on the Bitcoin side, we recognize that there's a lot screwed up about the money and it, there's a lot screwed up um, in terms of the broader financial system, but that it is the the money and the money printing that creates economic instability and fragility. And that um, I think a lot more people are feeling that on a day-to-day basis, just through a lot of the things that are happening in the world, um, economic unrest, seeing here at home, out of control inflation, and that kind of my framework of thinking about Bitcoin fix the money, that a lot of other things get fixed as well, but that there are really three foundational goods to an economic system. There are ultimately more than three, but that money, food, and energy are at the center of all of it. And that we've been helping to run the Houston Bitcoin meetup. It's like, I, I have, I think it's an imperative to get the energy industry to understand Bitcoin because we've got to continue to get oil out of the ground, natural gas out of the ground, uh, and get power and energy resources to market. But just as important to that is food. Um, and when we had the event at Cooper's, um, not only getting a chance to hear both Slim and Cole talk, but also, you know, after that event, bought a couple of stakes from Cole over the Lightning Network and then went out uh, after the Bitcoin takeover, we bought steak, uh, you know, probably 40 pounds of meat, that we cooked up for a bunch of uh, Bitcoiners. But when I think about the importance of it, it is you see things happening in China, you see things happening in um, in Peru. There, there's a lot of unrest all over the world and that it makes a whole lot of sense to eliminate a lot of the unnecessary layers um, between us and our food suppliers and that um, not, not to be a prepper, but I do think that there are um, obvious and critical points of fragility and instability in supply chains. And if you can remove unnecessary layers and go directly to the source. And, um, and I think that it is also important that we help educate people like Cole, um, on Bitcoin and he's, he's educated himself, but that more people like it. And that's what this weekend's about. Uh, but it's also the reverse. It's educating Bitcoiners on the importance of the work that people like Cole and Slim are doing. And then the reverse is also true, helping them understand Bitcoin because people that don't have Bitcoin are going to get wrecked. And we want the people that have uh, critical aspects of our food supply chain uh, to be able to continue to get that to us directly. They, they deliver a value to us and we can deliver a value to them. It's a very symbiotic relationship and we need the Bitcoiners and the cattle ranchers all to come out to Kerrville this weekend. Yeah. And one thing you said there is like cutting out unnecessary layers of the food supply, like actually getting closer to the source and getting closer to the source of the sea. But that's honestly like one thing that has been extremely powerful since not only the conversations that we've had, but since you've been going on uh, the rounds and, and many podcasts in your own is go shake your rancher's hand. Like that's a meme that has really picked up and I, I've just seen it on Twitter, people tagging me. And being like, yeah, I went and shook, shook my ranchers hand this weekend. Like it's, yeah. it seems like you're having an impact. And 
the momentum is just growing towards Saturday and beyond. Well, it's kind of funny whenever you say something like that, it's so simple, but what it is, it's, it can be very complex with people's uh, belief systems or their access to human contact or understanding about, you know, what a rancher does, who a rancher is. And it creates a conversation that people seem to be that they're, they're really attaching themselves to because whenever you do go shake your rancher's hand, for one, you're going to meet something that's pretty impressive. Two, you're going to understand that the rancher is actually, they've been a hell of a lot more decentralized than we as Bitcoiners are, and that they can teach us a lot. So there's a lesson to be learned into shaking that rancher's hand. And if people are ready to start having, you know, human relationships again, and, you know, a lot of people got caught into this virtual dig digital space. And so what it does, it brings a human aspect to everything. And once that happens, you're going to understand that, there's a new market access to human contact and to your food. So it really comes together pretty organically and, you know, holistically that's been around forever. Yeah. And from the rancher's perspective, like, uh, when we went through my cut sheet, what was that two or three weeks ago? For, I just bought a half cattle from KNC. And one thing you mentioned on the phone is that you know, the retail demand is so strong that you're, you're able to, not that you wanted to, but you're able to Support more retailers as opposed to wholesalers, and that's better for your business and, and probably a good sign that more individuals are getting into this type of interaction with their ranchers. Yeah, and I mean that's exactly what what my direction and and my position is with the Beef Initiative and with the Bitcoin Network. It's been a network of people that have been extremely supportive, and they've they've been spreading the word and telling more and more people. But what's happening now is we're getting constant. Uh, constant purchases. I met with a guy Saturday. They've bought a couple of what's called our freezer builders. They're like an eighth of a cow. They've bought two already. And I'm like, hey guys, have y'all tried a half? Went through how much space it takes. It's going to save you money. And then I was like, hey, by the way, because of the Lightning Network, you can pay me in Bitcoin. Bam, done. And they were super stoked about it, but they're trying every daggum cut that we can offer. And what we've watched is it's just continued to build even to the non, you know, to the network of people that aren't in Bitcoin. And so, this is a starting point to introduce them to the importance of Bitcoin and, and everything it stands for. But aside from that, we're getting more and more traction uh, and people just taste the difference. It's a different taste profile. It's, uh, it's a different uh, methodology behind it, but it's, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just bringing it right back to the consumer. And the biggest change is by aging beef. It does wonders. It does wonders to your palate and it does wonders in the way in which you cook it. You know, you're not seeing your hamburger shrink from 16 ounces to seven. Uh, it's 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 a whole lot different, and I think a lot of people are just getting excited. Uh, hopefully, as much as I am, I've our business has grown. We've been very blessed and very fortunate because of uh, being able to be a part of podcasts like yours and and work with Parker and and y'all's network. It's been astronomical. Well, Parker and I have been having a lot of fun whipping up some of the different cuts. What was the last one we did? The leftover from the takeover? And we cooked up a sirloin. Yeah. We did uh, a full primal ribeye roll after the takeover and then I think two tenderloins. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Leachman brought down elk and bison. So it wasn't, wasn't 100% Bitcoin bot. But um, but yeah, I think a couple weeks ago we fired up that, that full sirloin. It was fucking delicious. We did it right over the fire um, uh, in my backyard. And it was, you were surprised at how tender it was. Yeah. 
It was phenomenal. Yeah. And and I, I honestly look at it, and again, I, it's not from a prepping sense, but I, it's like that idea of shaking your rancher's hand. It's like I want to re- have a relationship with Cole, and I want to figure out how I can be helpful to him. He could be helpful to me, but that, you know, back at the you know kind of COVID lockdown things, people things started getting scarce on sh- uh, on store shelves, and even if they're not getting scarce, you can you can physically see the degradation in the quality of the product at the same time that the price is going up. And if I have a relationship with Cole, and if you have a relationship with your rancher, that you're going to be taken care of, that you're, you're a phone call away. And if you take care of good people, they will take care of good. They will take care of you. And it's, it's, a, I care less about price and I care about making sure that, um, that I'm, you know, like there is a self selfish component to it. It's, um, you know, look after, make sure that, if things do become economically less stable, um, that you have those relationships and that, uh, that it is symbiotic and that if you make that investment of time, like if we, you know, help ranchers like Cole understand Bitcoin, their balance sheets are going to be preserved through the the degradation of money. And they're going to be able to accumulate more heads of cattle. They're going to be able to uh, accumulate uh, more acreage. And that's incredibly uh, important in times of economic uncertainty and instability. Yeah, which it seems like are upon us. I mean, when you when you talk about uh, Russia, Ukraine, wheat's not getting uh, out of that area here in the U.S. Our our wheat crops are, are what the, the last number was like thirty percent are yeah. are good are mm-hmm. in good condition. Yeah, last year was something like fifty three percent. It's shit. Um, you know, hell, even our grass crop is terrible. I was telling Slim, you know. We were fortunate. You can see you can see a huge difference right now, especially for people that practice regenerative. When you're doing rotational grazing with animals, we've had I think a quarter inch in the last eight weeks in Austin, which is well below our norm. And so I have pastures I haven't had cattle in in eight weeks. It actually has grass, um, but you know I'm having to rotationally graze and and kind of pray that it starts to rain because it's going to get even more challenging. When you're talking about, or Parker, you were talking about shortages in the food supply, it's not necessarily that we don't have beef available. The problem is, is you're going to see a glut hit the market again because people, like right now, when when you have no rain, it's not just us. The West Coast has been in a drought. Colorado in certain spots has been in drought. The Panhandle, it's a whole nother monster. <laughs> and then all of Central Texas, I mean, hell, it's burning up and and it's really dry. So what happens is we start to thin our herds. Well, the first thing you do is you take your old cows out. They're the ones that, that are going to be hardest to carry uh, from body condition. So you start killing them. Most people don't realize most of the ground beef that you eat at restaurants, that's coming off a 13, 14, 15-year-old cow. Well, the problem is we've already done that. COVID killed a lot of them. So now ranchers are even going to the younger, the oldest of the younger part of their cows, right? So we're harvesting them. We're turning it into ground beef. We're sending out to the restaurants. And the, the balance between your, your calf crop that is what you get your, your steaks and all your good cuts out of versus your utility meats is going to start to shift and be out of balance. So then either a beef is going to have to get it really expensive because now our herd sizes have dropped. They've dropped almost 10%. Or see someone could inevitably manipulate the market which god forbid they've been doing for three to four years now so pick your poison how have they been manipulating it um 
I can go into a long-winded answer with that, but long story short, our packer who who harvests the cattle that we take, I I send them thirty steers in theory. They take them, they harvest them. They're making uh, anywhere from eight hundred to at one point during COVID, almost twelve hundred dollars a head. And as a rancher, when you take out all of my costs to get that animal to that point to harvest in the commercial side of the ledger, I was making six seven hundred dollars, and when you figure on a volume basis, most people, the average herd size is 14. Um, so you put in a whole year's worth of work. You can do the math on that to make what eight, $9,000. That shit doesn't make any sense. Oh, let me throw in labor on top of that. And if you figure labor, I worked for a negative margin. Now my herd size isn't 14, a much larger, um, and, and I keep investing in, in, in more and more and more and trying to better our herd. But, it basically took any incentive for the average person that bought a ranchette West Austin to own 10 cows. It took their, their ability to make any money out of it. So it just had to be a glorified hobby, just like buying a ski boat. All sounds great, but now let's just say the traditional model. Hey, historically, you could go buy a round bell around Austin for 85, 90 bucks. This year, if we don't start getting rain, not to mention traditional fertilizers, through the roof, um, you're probably looking at 140 to 150 uh, per bale, and you know, cows going to one cow is going to go through it every two to three weeks. So you put the money together, you're going to be at significant losses. And so, um, yeah, we've been at the mercy of someone else telling us what our products worth. So even when our input costs were getting higher, they weren't paying up for that product. Uh, instead, they were actually paying down and taking all the profits away from us. That's how I got into this business, and that's why I'm ready to change it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it needs to change, especially when you mentioned hay going up because of the rain shortages that are, are leading to less hay, and then fertilizer and diesel. Let's dive into those specifically. Like, how bad is that? I mean, we've been hearing that it's pretty bad, but you guys are closer to that scene. How bad is it? Well, everybody knows the global stance on the fertilizer. The thing about fertilizer is... It's, it's going to be very inflated in the United States, no matter what. And that's something that Cole gets to see, you know, every day. As far as it really affecting the United States on the, on the side moving forward, that's yet to be seen. And, but the one thing there is, there's always contingency plans with somebody like Cole, what he's doing. We had a great conversation today. And it was basically, you know, within regenerative farming, another thing people have to understand is the fertilizer really... You know, it's something that you're not dependent on as much. And so you take away these little touch points of vulnerability, like Parker was talking about. There's so much creativity within this type of system that comes at you as far as coal and the regenerative, you know, the beef initiative. Things that happen like this on a global scale, we only get bigger and stronger because of it. Because we're proactive and we're keeping, you know, our fingers on the pulse of what really is going on. And, but I don't want to speak for Cole because he hears it every day as far as the fertilizer, like locally, you know, within the state and then across the United States. You know, I think I'd hate to try to quote fertilizer on the cast because God forbid it changes every two days. Like they're making us lock in and your bid's only as good for 24 hours. But a few weeks ago, fertilizer, I just was shopping around just, just to get nosy and see where we're at. So a year ago, fertilizer would have cost about 200 bucks a ton. Um, two weeks ago, is it $1,150? Holy shit. So 550% inflation in one oh, year? Every bit. 
And so what you have is you have a lot of traditional commercial guys or hobby ranchers that historically have grown their own hay. Well, hell, this year, they're not going to put out fertilizer. Um, and then you have guys that have historically, just for grazing purpose, have put out just a lot amount of fertilizer. This year, they're not. There's The math does not work. So you're going to see hay costs go up. And then furthermore, just because of fertilizer, but then you add in the the lack of, of rainfall and it's just going to make it harder and harder. And so I think, you know, for me this year, what we did, we went in and we, uh, we interrogated, um, I can't even tell you how many acres and, and we've gone in and done that. Uh, we're allowing, you know, the natural compost process to take place. We went in with, I took these big, huge tractor tires, chained them together, pulled them behind a truck and I started scattering all the cow shit everywhere. Uh, just to take our old piles of pastures that historically, um, you know, had just been grazed on and really driving that back into the soil. And for the pastures that were able to get rains, we're seeing a significant change. Um, it's really funny. We actually put a bunch of compost that was given to us on one pasture. And it's got a bunch of Johnson grass and, and Johnson grass isn't your perfect hay uh, uh, choice, but um you can look at that pasture as you drive right by Tesla. Everything's freaking brown or it's just, it's choking. And the damn Johnson grass is almost, you know, two feet tall, but it's all compost. And it's amazing what it does to the fertility in the soil. So more and more people are starting to catch on. And I think it'll make a difference. This year, it's going to be challenging for all producers. Um, it's, it's going to get hard. Yeah. With this in mind, though, like how hard is it to like attain like a significant scale of farmers using compost or manure or regenerative practices. How quickly could they scale up to like this year may be hard. Could it be less hard next year? Or? It, it could be less hard next year with better rainfall. Um, yeah. You know, the hardest thing is people are no different. Y'all been to the ranch. I mean, we took a rock quarry that uh, if y'all went now, you'll see cattle all by the road too. Um, and so, what we've done is, is been able to go in, plant, and reseed, and, and I'm rotating as much as I can, but I only have so much acreage right there. If I want to keep growing, I either got to find more leases or find other ways to grow my herd, uh, either, you know, with with other... I've been fortunate. I have a good friend that, that uh, has thousands of acres that I'm leasing uh, or that I'm paying for my cattle to be on at different times. Right now, I'm not having to, but I will here in the near future. And so being able to find those outlets for other producers is going to be key. Or, um, you know, here's another thing with regenerative. You can take it a whole nother level where you're moving cattle every two to three hours. But with the average herd size of 14, you can't make a living anyway doing that. So it don't matter if you want to practice regenerative, you're going to have to have another job because 14 cows won't pay for itself, right? So we've got to get them connected with more and more producers and join forces. Uh, to be able to really streamline this process. And is that part of the beef initiative's goal yeah. right now? Yeah, it's always been kind of the goal from the beginning. It's just something that you slow step into and kind of educate. You know, within talking to Cole and a lot of other ranchers, you know, Jason and Rick of Rick Ranches up there in Colorado, uh, Jay, uh, Justin up in the Panhandle, everybody has this philosophy that it's hard for people to grasp kind of like what we just talked about, the importance of fertilizer, the importance of the seed, the source of the seed of how we're getting here to where we are. 
So we said we need to start talking about the vertical integration into our food supply. So it starts with the soil, then it goes to the grass, then it goes to the cow, of course, then the producer, then the producer to the processor, to the processor, to supplier, to market access, to the consumer, us, basically. Once we can start telling that story of every one of those touch points, you know, he was, you know, Cole's talking about how easy is it for somebody to transfer kind of into Cole's protocol. Well, we haven't talked about that that much, but that's exactly where we're going with this as far as the beef initiative. People are going to come through. It's going to be a gateway to be able to do things. You know, you, you look at certain people and they, they don't understand basically what food is for starting. You know, what, where, what are we talking about here? We're talking about dense animal protein. We're talking about something that comes from the earth, from the minerals, and it comes from something that is a protocol that these guys have mastered. So everybody in the cattle industry, you know, they get, there's some people in the cattle industry that gets a bad rap, you know, because they're under this umbrella of maybe Monsanto and Bear. They're doing what they're basically taught. You know, this is how they were educated. And it's, it's through time that they've basically been captured by this chemical industry apparatus. So let's look at that and say, okay, well, they're still freaking ranchers. You know, they're still trying to do a job. And guess what? They're starting to point their compass in a different direction. The reason they haven't is that I've seen is that we didn't have that vertical integration philosophy and kind of chart that we can kind of say, we got you covered here at the soil. We got you covered here at the grass. We got you covered here at the cow. And now we got you covered with the producer. We've got a protocol. Guess what? Now beef initiative and oh, and a couple other people in the state of Texas, we're ready to say we got the processing centers now. So what is that doing? Well, that's now allowing us to be suppliers and we've just created a new market access that the rancher that is kind of trapped in that apparatus, they can say, hell, I'm going to go over here and do this because I'm going to know my customer. They're going to come shake my hand. Yeah. And when you were describing this to me the last time we spoke, it had to be right before Miami, so like three weeks ago. Yeah. Now at this point, like you guys are competing at like a certification level, correct? Like it's going to be, yes. And people are, you're going to be an option up there with the, the traditional processors that, that people can. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, you know, that goes into knowing the law, knowing the certifications, uh, Cole knows them like the back of his hand. He probably started learning when he was seven about the type <laughs> of certifications that are out there in ag and ranching. So there's, there is a roadmap there and we, we've created the on-ramp and, you know, we're making, you know, making sure that the beef initiative is that gateway. And that's going to give a lot of damn empowerment and confidence to not only to the rancher, to the grass producers, to the animal producers, everything. It's going to give it to the consumers. And one the thing that, thing that I'm seeing the most is how excited people get about it. Because not only, you know, is your nutrition levels just, you know, improving a thousand percent, your lifestyle's changing a thousand percent, you know, your money system, you get to where, you know, we're talking about sound money, sound health, sound communications for a sound future. And it's all tying together. And a lot of it's been because of the beef initiative and because I went and shook this guy's hand. So, and that's the beautiful thing about this is that it's not hard. It's just, you got to put a little intentionality to it. And you got to go up there and have some good conversations. And that's why this has been very rewarding, very fast. And come time for the conference, we are going to have a call to action to tell people. And they're going to basically take away, if they want to have food security for the next 10 years, just pay attention to the beef initiative. So what can we expect this week? 
well, how are the at first before yeah. we get to like what is going to happen on Saturday? Like, how are the right. ranchers? How how have they been? Uh, what's their reception to the idea of the beef initiative and this conference specifically, and like intermingling with Bitcoiners? Right. Been or like, hey, what, why are we doing this? Well, I'll give my perspective from the beef initiative guy, and well, Cole's a beef initiative guy too, but he's you know he's the rancher. But what you see of my, you know, I'm up in the Panhandle, and that's a different beast up there. You know, we have a lot of different types of ranchers in the Panhandle. The glass, the grass is not as you know is is robust. It's it's robust in different ways. So those ranchers up there, they don't want us. Some of them don't want anything to do with me. And that's understandable. I get it. They're making a level. You know, you got towns called Hereford, Texas, and it's got four of the major global processors in that town. They've got something going on there. But then you got Justin, you know, Trammell of Tear Bloom, where, you know, he's loving everything that happens. He opened up his processing center. He is everything of that vertical integration I was telling you about. So people are starting to look at him. Other ranchers are starting to talk to him. People are asking him, hey, how do we do a processing center here in the state of Texas? So you're going to get a lot of it. In the beginning, some people told me to get the hell off their damn land is what they did. But now you're starting to see an adoption. And whenever I had somebody out in California, he's, he's ranching out in California and he, we're continuing talks. He said, I cannot believe how, how familiar each of us are as far as the Bitcoiners and the ranchers. He goes, I had no idea. So the reception has been kick-ass as far as bring, bridging that gap of understanding of the cultures, but everybody's operating on the same damn ethos. They just don't know it yet. Yeah, no, that's very similar to how you described your interaction with Bitcoiners. Absolutely. And <gasps> so, Parker, how can, like, I think you, we've discussed it in the past, Slim and I, Cole and I, Slim Cole and I, but I don't think anybody can articulate what Bitcoin can do for somebody's balance sheet business and the future of their business. Then you can like, how would you describe Bitcoin's ability to, to help ranchers specifically with what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't, I don't think it's unique to ranchers, but I think that what I've experienced going all over the state country explaining Bitcoin to people, it is um, on one hand, people whose labor, you know, when, when coal's pricing out, you know, the cost of a head of cattle and then adding in labor, that um, that not only do they feel most directly their money not working for them, and, and there's certain things that are uncontrollable. Cole's talking about um, we're in a drought you know, just the actual production of hay is less. So that's going to have a natural, um, you know, kind of impact on general prices. But if that, that's happening at the same time when your government's printing a shit ton of money and that, that producer's costs are going up because it's not just things that come directly from the land, um, that, that ultimately people's time is scarce and that their proof of work to be able to deliver goods and services to market um, is tied ultimately to their time. And if they do not have a form of money that, um, that aligns incentives and that is equally as scarce as their time, um, that they're constantly going to be on a hamster wheel. And, they're, that, and, and that is ultimately going to lead to ruin. This will ultimately going to lead to their inability to get goods to market. And so I think that when I think about what it means to ranchers is it means ultimately finding a form of money and finding a, uh, ultimately a group of people that can help them understand that money that, um, 
that aligns all economic incentives. And when they do that, uh, it's not just, you know, like first and foremost, it's going to protect their balance sheet. Right. Uh, and, and what that balance sheet really is, is just storing the value that they've produced up to a point in time. Um, if the value that they've produced up into a point in time deteriorates, which it is deteriorating when a, you know, bushel of, or a barrel hay costs goes from hundred to 150 or a ton of 20 to 110. Is that what you yeah. said? 200, uh, well. Or 200 to 1100. Yeah, that was fertilizer. But hay right. was like 80 to 150. Right. So. Yeah. That, that is your dollar deteriorating. That is, that, that is, that is not all just a, a magical fact of us being in a drought. Um, and that the more that people can understand that there is this alternative, that they don't have to continue to opt into this economic system that works in opposition to their interests, um, the better it is for them. And it just so happens that they're a really critical foundational part of the economy that most people take for granted. And that if Bitcoiners can spend their time educating a group of people, um, there aren't many more important people than the people that are supplying their food. Um, so I think in terms of the investment and this, this kind of good and, and very um, symbiotic investment of time um, will extend beyond just food. But, but, but I think it like, to me, it's food and energy. Um, those, those are the two most critical. I'd rather, you know, spend my time helping people understand, um, understand Bitcoin that are critical to the things that we consume in our day-to-day -day lives rather than, you know, hedge fund investors in New York city. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny money, food, energy, and you were talking about vertical integration. And we've, I've told you, I don't know if I've talked publicly about this on the podcast, but I, I've got a mining operation up in Northern Tennessee and it's like yeah. off grid. We call it moonshine mining up in Appalachia, nice. but you go up to the, the hut. We bought a hut from Steve Barber. You have miners in a hut pulling off an abandoned natural gas well, and there's cows just eating off the land right around it. And like when you talk about vertical integration, you, oh, yeah. you not only can you do it from like the ranching perspective, but if you have land with natural gas on it or energy, like you can control your money your food and your energy in one spot, which is like crazy to think. When you talk about like the hyper decentralized energy money world that Ross Stevens described in his newsletter a couple of years ago, like it is very much possible today. And I can see it coming together, not only with the beef initiative, but I feel like the beef initiative uh, in ranchers with who have energy on their land are going to collide with the mining industry. And you're going to have like this crazy... <laughs> closed loop i'm like, waiting for it you know because especially here in texas in tennessee it's always great you know in tennessee and texas get along really well but the thing about uh the the combination of energy and land and cattle ranchers in um in the state of texas there's a lot of ranchers that are land managers you know they, they have access to land well they you know sometimes they have pipelines going through their land they have those gas wells on their land you get all that over, you know, the top of Texas, up in the Panhandle, there's tons of natural gas up there. And so what has not happened yet is that basically understanding that case study of what it is and how to accomplish it. Once these guys have got the education and they kind of understand it on a little bit deeper level, that's going to come like floodgates. It will open up. Well, and think of what that does for society. You say get to the source of, source of the seed all yeah. the time and like, you're yeah. distributing the food supply energy to a certain extent. You're, you're democratizing, not democratizing, but you're distributing its 
many more smaller producers. Uh, and then you're using that energy to, to create sound money or not create mm -hmm. it, but facilitate it and secure it. And like, you're taking the power away from these large food conglomerates, these large bank banking institutions and, and the large energy producers at the end of the day, because you empower the little guy to actually utilize all those resources. Uh, Bitcoin may be like the final piece to that puzzle. Uh, particularly mining. Well, then that's the most important thing for everybody to understand is you, and we always go back to this and, we, and this is a good way to understand value within the ranching. And I'm going to let Cole kind of understand after, after I finish this little statement is that you go up to somebody that produces animals and say, let's say produces cattle and you say, where's the value of that cow? You can't, nobody can say anymore. You cannot say where the value of that cow is. Um, it's changed throughout the history, especially in Texas in the late 1878, all the way up into here, the value changed from the land to, you know, the land itself, to the cow itself, to commodity prices, to grains, to, you know, all kinds of different factions. A lot of times it's in the USDA insurance policy. Whenever we say that, it's like, all right, well, we're going to put the, the value of that cow back into the cow and we have a protocol and we have kind of a case study that we want to talk to you about. And we're going to tell you the why, the why the Bitcoin and why that this is possible and why we know it's possible because we understand what you have gone through and why you do what you do. Let's talk about that. Let's open up this conversation. And once we do that, and, and one thing that the Beef Initiative has to do is we are, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, is, is providing the rancher the, the sound education that they haven't received yet because they don't understand the why behind it. So, you know, as far as that is concerned, you know, Cole's got, you know, just as much to comment about that as I do, because he understands it. And he, you know, he, he was fast to, you know, the clarity of the possibilities. You know, I've been, I've been fortunate because I came into Bitcoin and probably, I mean, yeah, I wish I would have came in 10 years ago, but I came in still at a good time. So just talking about some of the slight increases, uh, Parker, that you were going on, you know, one of my arguments or not arguments, one of my sell points to other ranchers for Bitcoin has been like, look, I was selling beef, sold a half, right? For 1500 in December or November. And I think Bitcoin was at 38,000. So now I'm looking at three, $400 in growth by leaving it in Bitcoin. So you know, there are times where unfortunately I have to turn to fiat with my company. I try not to, but my, my diversity, I'm not at hundred percent right now, but for me, I was able to withstand inflation. And now I've also been able to withstand potential losses, uh, that I had down the road by leaving it in Bitcoin, because, you know, two weeks ago, we were looking at 46, 48,000 Bitcoin. Well, I took that time to, you know, to take some of those earnings that I had to do to, to pay for my operating, but holy crap, it appreciated in value for me. I wasn't losing money on my dollar. In fact, I made up some of the costs that I've been taking a butt kicking on for a while. So for other, you know, for other producers, I look at it on a much broader basis. I say, okay, most producers don't have a 401k. A lot of ranchers don't have retirement. Retirement is the real estate. And a lot of folks have that mentality uh, in old school West Texas in the panhandle or in South Texas, it's I have pump jacks, that's my retirement. For those that don't have that luxury, this is where I would encourage 
now we can try to build their own personal wealth, their own security, better yet, maybe finally have some retirement besides just the land. And for me, that's where Bitcoin really stepped in. Or, hey, better yet, guess what? Hopefully in the next couple of years, you also have an engine to where you can trade trade land with Bitcoin. And there are a lot of things coming. It's a perfect time to launch it. It's, it's aligned really, really well, but no different than us. You know, Bitcoiners want to stack stat or sats. Producers, we want to start stacking our, our production level. We want to start stacking our calves, our calf crop. We want to start stacking and quit just being cowboys or, or just ranchers. We want to be farmers. And there's so many other things that we can stack up that aligns perfectly with Bitcoin. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, when I think about this weekend, because I do want, I want to hear kind of, I've talked to Slim about this, but his goals for specifically Kerrville, but then broad, broader kind of bringing these two communities together, but also helping people understand exactly what will be going on on Saturday, but that someone is not ever going to store their wealth in Bitcoin without understanding. If you do not understand why Bitcoin stores value over time um, and, and, and you, you only interact with it on the TV screen where it looks like it's a stock trading like any other financial asset, um, you will never want to, or or you will never be in a position to be able to sell your goods and services directly for Bitcoin. Um, but if you start to acquire that knowledge of why Bitcoin stores value over time, why it is a better form of money, um, it's the idea I wrote about in Bitcoin is the great definancialization. You you can just be that rancher, you can be that farmer, and you can put it in a form of money that aligns incentives with you, aligns in that 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 element of Time is scarce and Bitcoin is finitely scarce. There will only ever be 21 million. And that when you start to see people like Cole, where it's like, oh, I can actually go across town and take steak, take whole primals, and you take half a cow, Marty, and convert it directly for Bitcoin. You also help people understand outside of that circle. You can't go do that with treasuries. You can't go do that with uh, real estate. You can't go do that with... Apple stock, there is something fundamentally different about this economic good called money. And, and Bitcoin is simply a superior form of that, but it's difficult to understand and you have to do work to be able to understand it. And that's what I hope to achieve this weekend. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's the conferences. I, I never planned to do that. As far as one thing I did see though, was that we had to get the awareness of education. We had to define what the whys are because we can go around all day long and say, you take Bitcoin, you, you know, why don't you take Bitcoin? That, you know, people don't understand the why behind this. What we're bringing to the conference is the why is there a beef initiative? Why do we have to have a new form of food intelligence? Because every one of those touch points right now, as far as our food intelligence, as far as, you know, supply chain lines to the chemicals that are putting into it and everything. <laughs> Well, the conference is going to explain that. We're going to have doctors at the conference that are going to speak to, you know, the why of, you know, pure animal protein is the best form of nutrition that you can feed your children and yourselves. How do you get out of a food ditch? You know, how do you do that? How do you get that sound health that I talked about? We're going to, of course, talk about sound money. I mean, even Cole's a VP of a banker. And then we've got, you know, all the Bitcoiners. You know, we have Parker coming and speaking. So we're going to have that sound money discussion. 
well, once we get past the sound health with the, you know, nutrition and the doctors, then we're going to go into sound communications. I mean, you know, that's something where I come in as far as the networking skills that we have to develop, the type of technology, you know, knowing Adam, you know, podcasting 2.0, kind of where everything's going with that decentralization of communication, which and everybody's going to leave that conference going, well, shit, you know, I've have, I have a call to action to change my life and I'm going to start with the source of the seed of my nutrition. And providing that education in, in this type of form, the, you know, the conference, because there, there are going to be national conferences. We're going to have the one in Kerrville starting in Texas. We're going to have one out in Colorado, you know, in July with Jason Rick of Rick Ranches. And then we're going to have in September, I've talked to Will Harris. We're going to be out at White Oak Pastures in Georgia, South Georgia. And then, so all that narrative that we're building throughout the year, people are going to see, hey, there is something going on here. And it touches every one of those touch points in my life that I know I need to be improving on. There is education out there to be able to achieve this. And there's on-ramps now because I'm meeting the right people to do this. And so at the end of the year, really, if you look at what Nicole and I and Jason and I all had the same conversation within a, a week, and it's been a couple of months, but with that vertical integration is that we, what we're really doing is, as far as a group and as far as the initiative itself, the association of people that we're putting together, we're, we're creating a new uh, American health initiative. With that health initiative, the American rancher is re leading that uh, health initiative. And that's the beautiful thing about that, that we can stand up because we have the doctors telling us that we're right. We have the money guys telling us, are, you know, we're right. The communication, everybody can understand that within this decentralized thought process that we're bringing with these conferences, you're, the health initiative of the United States has always been led by the American rancher. And that gets away from all the deception, the corruption, the misinformation, and it creates a, a narrative across the country in one in less than 12 months that it's, it's going to make some changes and people are going to come along and they're going to want to come see Parker. They're going to want to come see Cole. They're going to come want to see you talk because, you know, every one of y'all are bringing the expertise and that's what the Beef Initiative has done is brought all this together. Well, I think I, I can't stress the importance of we live in a digital world, obviously, but getting in person and shaking people's hands and congregating to talk about a specific subject in person, like we see it with Bitcoin, with Bitcoin meetups, like what you do here, what we do here at the Commons with BitDevs, like you guys running BitDevs through COVID. Yeah, like we, we, <laughs> yes, us running bit, but, but like meeting in person, like it, it creates this, this word of mouth reaction. And then you've seen all these Bitcoin meetups pop up across the world because people are saying, oh, these, these guys had so much fun. These guys and gals had so much fun when they met up in person. They were talking about Bitcoin. It seems like they were more productive. Uh, interactions happen. People meet in person and they go do deals afterwards. Like I, I think this first conference on Saturday is going to be a pivotal moment because it'll just... Maybe maybe not everything is a, an official beef initiative meetup moving forward, but it'll it, it will invigorate people to be like, all right, I want to do something in my local town to to educate yeah. people about going and shaking their ranchers' hands. Like it, it creates this like viral effect that does have profound effects. It's crazy what you've done. In, <laughs> well, in the seven, only way this months. the only way this could have been done is in the Bitcoin space, one hundred percent. And everybody needs to understand. Why do you that. say that? Because we're willing to make that change. We're ready for innovation. We, we understand. I tell everybody, you know, Bitcoin exposes the truth. 
because whenever you start leading with truth and you're, you don't rely on the, on the manipulation of media and advertising, marketing and all that, I knew that I had to start within the Bitcoin community because of the word of mouth networking, the type of people that want to go out to the meetups and everything. This is grass fed and grassroots. Everybody needs to understand that. This is, you know, everything that has happened up with the beef initiative right now has been done with very little capital. It's just done with people coming out and volunteering and helping me out. And so that's why I knew it was going to be successful, you know, meeting you, of course, in the early days and then meeting Adam, you know, how he, he you know, with the no agenda, you know, you have producers. We're having producers in the beef initiative now, you know, it's value for value exchange. And we understand that as Bitcoiners. And so that's going to be the power behind this. And when I say everything I just said, was I talking about Bitcoiners? Was I talking about ranchers? That's a question people are going to start understanding that, holy shit, it's the same thing. So that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And Mar Marty, would, I'll just, you know, kind of, we were talking about like, there is irrelevance and importance of people getting together. Um, it's not just shaking your rancher's hand. It's about, people coming together when you put a lot of good people together in the same room can't exactly predict what's going to happen, but good things are going to happen. And that's our philosophy here at the Bitcoin commons, you know, where we're recruiting, uh, recording this episode, but you know, tomorrow and the next day, Jimmy song is leading a programming class here. We've got bit devs, um, on Thursday night, we'll go out to Kerrville on Saturday. Next week is the Houston meetup. One of my favorite things about the Houston meetup is putting Bitcoiners in the room with oil and gas people that, that it is a different, you've been there. It's a different vibe than here in Austin bit devs. Austin bit devs is probably the largest Bitcoin developers meetup in the world. Um, Houston is a, is a unique environment. And I think that's what we're going to create, you know, uh, not just here in the state of Texas, but putting the ranching community together with the Bitcoin community. Um, and that, you know, my hope is that, you know, Bitcoiners will listen to this podcast and they'll come into bit devs and then two days later, they'll drive out to Kerrville uh, and see what's happening here. Because even if they're not from the state of Texas, they'll learn something. Uh, but hopefully Bitcoiners from all over the state will, will come out to Kerrville. If you haven't been to Kerrville, um, I haven't been to Kerrville in probably 15 years, but I used to go quite frequently. I'm looking forward to getting out to the Texas Hill country. Um, but, but particularly to bring together the Bitcoin community with, with the ranching community. Yeah. My brother was just in here before we started recording and you were telling me about the drive out. Yeah. It, well, that's why, I mean, there was, everybody asked me why Kerrville and I was like, well, have you ever driven to Kerrville from Austin? And you know, there's so many opportunities to get from Kerrville to, to Austin to Kerrville that people don't know. And whenever I used to live in Austin, you know, I moved here when I was young and, uh, you know, that, that drive out there in any direction, 71, you know, 290, you get out to 20, 281. There's so much out in the hill country that people do not afford themselves. So I wanted to do about a two hour distance and that has to be Kerrville because the thing about Kerrville is the Guadalupe River runs through it. It's out in the hill country. It's a fantastic drive. You get to go through Fredericksburg. You can go out to places like Lukenbach, Texas. You can go through Mason. You can go through Yano. You can go through all these little gems that nobody knows about. Well, most of those small towns were built by cattle. So let's get this narrative going. And when I looked at Kerrville, you know, um, Teresa helped, you know, she's been with me since day one doing this conference. 
you know, we, we said, let's have it at the Museum of Western Art. And so right there, man, I'm a history, Texas history freak. So I was, you know, walking in that museum, you know, it just brings so much together that is becoming a lifestyle. You know, I was talking to Adam the other day. I said, this is an international lifestyle and it's starting right here in Texas and people are going to start paying attention to it. And that's how we're going to create these conferences is it? Yeah, this is serious business, but guess what people we're bringing some grit and some toughness. And Cole said it last week on a podcast. It's like, y'all look at the cowboy, look at who we are, look how we live. And you guys are all stressed out. We're not stressed out, man. We're still rolling like we always do. And so there's something that's kind of spiritual about this. There's something that's very empowering for families and for the individual and for basically this the general consumer all the way up into the Bitcoiners to the animal producers. I mean, we've got people coming from, I think, Montana, California now, Arizona, um, Oklahoma, Kansas, Tennessee, Illinois, Florida, Georgia. I mean, people are coming from across the United States and they are very intentional about it. And they were for a lot of people traveling were the ones that bought the tickets first. You know, and that's what's cool about this. And it is happening just kind of how we decided, you know, we were going to do it. Talk a little bit about the venue, too, because the venue looks incredible. It's a museum. Yeah, it's a, the Museum of Western Art. And what you do, if you if you don't want to, if you don't understand Texas and where we came from, from a historical point, from an industry standpoint, from a cowboy, Western art, everything from statues to paintings to anything from jewelry, it's all there. It's it's pretty international. It's kind of hidden. People don't really, because, you know, Kerrville is kind of, you have to make plans to get to Kerrville. You know, it's an hour outside of San Antonio, two hours outside of Austin. So the museum is a, is a gym, and that's why I, I picked it, so people can come to that conference and, you know, they can get there Friday and go check out the museum. And they can, they can understand where I'm coming from, because I told everybody, let's look over our shoulders. Let's look and see how our ancestors lived in the state of Texas. And once we understand that, that proof of work that got us here, that was based on pioneering spirit and kind of a proof of work that we don't see anymore, then they're going to understand that this, you know, the beef initiative is, is a lifestyle. It is a state of mind. And I just thought that the museum you know, was one thing that's very important because they work with their community there. They work with FFA. They work with, you know, the 4-H, you know, and that's something that the Beef Initiative is targeting as well as far as, you know, sponsorships. So the, I told the museum what I was doing and they said, man, we'll give you a break. And here you go. Once again, this is crowdsourcing. This is collective. This is, you know, the input and the output that's happening right now is just, it's natural. Yeah. And again, it could have come at a more important time. Obviously, we have mm. food prices rising, commodities prices rising, but it seems like there's a building concerted effort to demonize this type of lifestyle, uh, particularly meat eating, <sighs> of course, masculine. Uh, yeah, like there, there's. Uh, it seems like the mainstream media apparatus is beginning to attack people who are trying to unplug from. The, sure. the the traditional incumbent system that that wants to keep you eating shit. And well, and that's it's the truth. And man, let, we can go down that damn rabbit hole, and it's deep as far as food intelligence and what is going on within our society as far as our metabolical health. You know, that's why we're bringing in the medical field here. It's like, we want the people to understand these are doctors that have been doing this, this stuff for decades. Whenever you have a doctor coming up to you and saying, hey, your children, the children in the United States are coming in with testosterone levels of 200 when they should be 1,200. 
that's a problem. That's an epidemic. And that's caused by the apparatus in which we've basically adopted as our consumption model. And so, of course, it's under attack because it empowers a person and empowers the individual and it empowers the family. And they want to basically control what we're doing, you know, in ways, you know, there's a mass prohibition from our personal space and to our mental space. You know, and Dr. Mary Kerr talks about it and she goes, I can't talk to these parents unless they understand that they need to basically get rid of their damn inflammation in their brain because it's there. And it's caused by this industrial food complex that we've been consuming in the last five decades. Once you can get that, she, you know, she, she goes, uh, the best thing I can do for anybody is to tell them to do a 48 hour bone broth fast. And after they've done that, they're ready to understand what I'm talking about. And that's what I want everybody to do is look at these conferences as a, as basically a 48 hour bone broth fast. And, you know, I, I, I I'm starting to call it a barn raising, you know, everybody's going to come together and we're going to raise that damn barn together. It has to be together. And that's what threatens people. Well, yeah, it scares them because yeah. you're again grass-fed, grassroots. They do not like people organizing like this, and that's like the beautiful thing about Bitcoin and all the different meetups and conferences that have popped up. Now, seeing it in the cattle ranching industry specifically mm -hmm. is deeply encouraging. Because again, you were mentioning like Peru, Shanghai, Sri Lanka, Italy was having yeah uh, the, the protests as well. Like it's. It's popping off out there. And, and that's what many people are waiting for, like the political apparatus to fix the problem. And more people have to realize that they're not going to fix it. We need the Coles, the Slims, the Parkers of the world to get up and start these meetups and start these movements and actually do it ourselves. Sure. And, you know, I think kind of talking about this weekend and in the movement, you know, in the last six weeks, we've had... I've had a representative out of Ghana. I shipped cattle to India. That was the first time oh, I've ever shit. done. I put some cows on an airplane. That was interesting. <laughs> um, uh, the Caribbean, you know, we're seeing more and more of these countries that are wanting to be able to source. And China is no different. You have to have certified uh, NHTC, which means non-hormone treated cattle. You have to have documentation. Well, hell, we've been doing it for quite a long time. So uh, that's an easy transition. But kind of going back into this weekend too, you know, we can all be overloaded for with information and, and your brain's fried at the end of the day. So we also, you know, looking at what we're going to do with the conference, we're going to add some fun shit to this too, besides just information. BitDev, y'all don't know about this yet, but <laughs> you're in for a little surprise at BitDevs. Um, you're going to get... Park, Parker highlighted me a little bit. <laughs> well, you're going to get all kinds of cool, fun foods to try that we're going to do just compliments. Thank you for the time to be able to show up. Same thing with uh, the conference. We're going to have a full-blown cutting table. Our chef at KNC Cattle, his name's Johnny Okoa. He's going to be out. We're going to be uh, talking about different ways you can, you can use uh, different cuts. He's going to slice steaks up and all actually several different cuts of beef that you may or may not have tried or cooked a certain style. So we're going to add some of that. We're going to have a hell of a lot of camaraderie, some pretty fun stories we're going to tell. And more than anything, we just want everyone to be able to have fun, leave engaged. To not leave and say, oh my God, this is so much shit, which we kind of do plan on that happening. <laughs> but at the same time, I want them to leave and say, you know what? I took, you know, a couple things from this conference and that's the most important. If there are a few key points that they can leave and say, hey, we can help. I think all of us in the room can say, you know what? It was successful if that's what happens.
And then we just keep networking and keep being participants and exactly what you are talking about in the community. And, you know, we can relay this story a hundred times over and over, but each time there are other things that we can add. And I think that's the purpose of these beef initiative conferences so that people can, can relate to the health side. They can relate to the producer. They can relate to the importance of Bitcoin. And by the way, hopefully they get to try some really cool food by some really good producers. And, uh, and maybe, you know, I'm a huge foodie. Uh, I love Austin for that reason. As a cowboy, a country guy, a rancher, Austin is kind of a hard place to live, but um, we're hopefully going to show a couple different sides of things. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I'm 30 years old. Like the thought of going and shaking my rancher's hand was never brought to me until I was right. 30 years until old. Until you became a Texan. Until I became a right? Well, your, your market access to ranchers was probably a little limited from where you came well, from. Well, no, Philadelphia, like Bucks County has plenty of farmland. There's Westchester County has farmland yeah. too. But it's, yeah, it's isolated outside Lancaster, obviously. You have uh, Amish country not too far from Philadelphia. But Well, I'll put it this way. Coming from Texas and, you know, how I was raised and going to the farm, you know, all the time on the, the weekends and going to the ranches and you know, from early on, one thing that I can reflect on is, is, is being a child is the only way I learned how to shake somebody's hand was when I shook a farmer or rancher's hand, you know, because there's something about it that if you, if you look back on my grandfather and he was a very powerful man, he was, he was about six, two big Austrian guy, you know, grandpa Jones. Anyways, he, um, you shook his hand, you knew something was there. There was a presence. And the reason I, I've, I've kind of tracked that down in my own mental clarity of thought is that whenever you're dealing with somebody that understands the earth, the soil, the animals, the environment, the decentralization of community, the localization as a rancher does, you've met something special. And so that's, you know, from the beginning, I knew that. And, and any rancher that wants to shake your hand and tell you how they're doing things then you've just, it's treasure. It's treasure, you know? And that's, that's what's so beautiful about it is once you've shaken that, that treasure and you understand it and you can see it, you've just developed a whole legacy of a friendship uh, that you're going to be sending people Christmas cards over freaking Christmas, man. You're going to want to engage in that type of spirit, in that type of confidence. And it's going to give you a sense of empowerment just with a handshake. Yeah. <sighs> Again, that's a connection that's that's been lost oh, in modern has. times. By far. By far. I mean, I, I have a friend that I grew up with. His name was Jeff Smith. He passed away about 10 years ago. He had cancer. But he was the toughest man I ever knew. And anybody that went up to him and shook his hand, you knew there was something there. It's a magnet. It's a vibration that you attract to. And we've got to get back to that. And... I always say, man, this is not complicated. It's just give yourself a little freedom to come to something like the conference and you're going to, you're going to change. You're going to leave that conference a different person. Yeah. I mean, again, this conference and this movement juxtaposed with the digital panopticon pod life they want to throw us in. Like, this is what we're fighting against. Like they, yeah, want, 100%. they want to destroy this type of connection. They want to discourage this type of organization. And so that's why I think, again, it's extremely important what Bitcoiners are doing, what the Beef Initiative is doing, what the merging of, of Bitcoin and the Beef Initiative is doing. Is, it's, it's a, like you said in the first episode, 
that we recorded. It's an important counterpunch to yeah. this this strong specter of doom mm-hmm. uh, that, that the pod life presents and that they want. I, I want saw, you, oh, sorry. I don't no, mean to interrupt. I was going to say, they want us to eat bugs and live in a 15 by 15 foot square. They do. And, you know, I, I think I took my own understanding. I get asked all the time, like, why in the, what is it like, you know, Yellowstone is presented as number one watch TV show. And so people have this conception of what, what ranch and life is like, what it's like being a cowboy. And then I get people all the time, you know, that'll ask like, why would you do this? Why would you do it on such a little margin? When I sell a half a side of beef, I'll tell you right now, I make about 400 bucks. Why would I do that? Well, there, there is so much purpose behind it. Mine is a little bit more of a volume model. I want to provide healthier, um, healthier, high quality, sustainable food to people and reach a larger, a larger outlet. Um, Part of mine is because right now I'm not doing this all for a living. This is a lifestyle choice. Um, but no different, if I can create that customer base, it would provide the living. Uh, this weekend, I saw something on Sunday th- through a child's eyes that helped me better understand. Maybe I can explain that to people. This is what ranching's about. So all the cousins and my niece and nephew, they're all, they're all outside getting ready to Easter egg hunt. And one of the kids has won the golden egg each year and it's got 20 bucks and God forbid those kids are going nuts over this 20 bucks. He's won three years in a row and they're so pissed off because he keeps winning this damn egg. And I'm I'm sitting here just laughing at him. And then I watch how they scheme together. So two of them are getting together. They're going to go on this side of the yard. Other two are set on this side. They're going to meet in the middle and they're going to make sure that he does not get his ass on that side of of the yard to get this egg, right? And it's so funny because I'm watching a four-year-old to a six-year-old to an eight-year-old to a 10-year-old and they all have this methodology to not let him win. And it's it's no different than us. Each year, they've taken that crush of not winning that egg. And each year, it's just hurt them and you're like, why do they keep pushing to get this golden golden egg? For once, now you understand what it's like to be a rancher. Each year, we look for something greater. We know we can get there. We know if we keep putting the input, the time, the planning. And now if we start, you know, bringing this coalition of people together, we can finally get that golden egg. And no matter how many times we get knocked down, no matter how hard the work is, those if those kids can relate to it for Easter, maybe I can help people understand. And that's the exact same thing. It's, it's worse than any drug that you can ever get hooked on. We constantly just want to to keep producing and keep trying to reach that pinnacle it's the hard weather days it's the no sleep it's the caring for something other than ourselves and i think that's what a lot of people envy or want to bring back that's the value of shaking the rancher's hand people envy a little bit of and i don't know why you would envy it it's that struggle that never-ending desire for greatness. That's why we love sports. We want to watch Michael Jordan put in everything he has to go win that championship, to make that shot at the buzzer. It's no different than in ranching. Maybe not as as heroic, uh, but that's what we're pushing for. For once, I kind of saw that just uh, coincidentally. I'm like, huh, that, I get it now. I mean, the sports stars aren't feeding the people that are watching them. So right. I think I, I wouldn't <laughs> right. be so humble there. The But it, then again, it's maybe people envy or obviously there's this, this movement towards a reconnection with the land in the last decade. I think 
the, the quote, the mass of men leave lives of quiet desperation has never been more true than now where we live in this fiat society where people are on the hamster wheel working these jobs, crunching Excel sheets, doing mindless things that probably don't have a material beneficial impact on society as a whole. And they may not admit it verbally, but they can feel it deep down. There's yeah. this disconnection with reality, with purpose. Uh, and uh, I think there's certainly a, that certainly has a strong influence on this this push for for people to get reconnected with the land, with ranchers, with what, getting out of the city and stuff that you're seeing in, in that regards. I know that firsthand. I use you know, just to kind of be light here and have fun. You know, <laughs> I grew up in the '70s. I was a child in the '70s, so you know, Urban Cowboy was the big movie back then, right? Well, overnight, everybody in the country went out and bought cowboy hat and boots, you know, and they were going to two-step, and they were going to live that lifestyle. I will just, I remember that because my parents went through that phase. It was horrible. <laughs> you know, it was funny, though. But, you know, to reflect on it, it had a it had a message. And, you know, Cole brings up Yellowstone, and, and people keep on asking me, you know, what the beef initiative is. And they say, oh, you're just developing a brand. And I say, you're damn right I am. Because it's going to be a lifestyle that's going to give us some strength that we don't have anymore. And it's going to bring some fun. It's going to bring some storytelling to it. It's going to bring some people taking a road trip now to go out there. You know, I just drove 500 miles to get here today, right? And I've been doing that for years. How many times did I want to pull over and take pictures of freaking cows and land? I said, I can't, man. I got to keep going. But there's so much that people are missing in their lives. If they understand the whole process, of that vertical integration in your surroundings that you're living in, and especially in Texas, you know, I came from the Caprot, the Ano Estacado, all the way down into the hill country. That's a change in geography. That's a change in scenery. That's a change in how things are being done. And you can witness that if you understand where we come from, where our food comes from, and the American regenerative rancher, of course, like Cole, is bringing that. So we're going to bring the pop culture. We're going to bring something that people can actually say, man, I'm part of this. This is kind of fun. It doesn't have to be, you know, gut-wrenching, you know, and within prohibition, we get mass innovation and we're going to mass innovate into people's understanding of, of, of basically a new lifestyle that this country, the world is really yearning for. It is a quiet desperation. I see it in ranchers. I see it at farmers and I see it people in the city. It's there. And this is, this is a, this is a place they can point that compass, as I say. Yeah. And I mean, when, when you have, you know, the coast Silicon Valley and, and wall street getting excited about, trading JPEGs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is really what this Bitcoin, is, this is a signal that. here. Yeah. Th so. This is really what Bitcoin's about. It's just designed to be a better form of money and it actually aligns all economic, economic incentives uh, on both sides of any, any trade. Uh, and that is what money is designed to do to help facilitate trade. And that, um, that, that it is very simple. And my goal for this weekend is that, not only do a bunch of Bitcoiners come out, if you're if you're anywhere around Central Texas, really anywhere in Texas, Slim drove five hours from the Panhandle. Yeah, 500 um, miles. 500, 500 miles of what? Eight hours, nine hours? It's, yeah. I got it down to seven hours and 15 minutes. I know the back roads. So. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the people go out and they go out to learn. You know, I think a lot of times Bitcoiners spend educating. There's going to be a lot of educating both ways, but that I hope that the ranching community also sees that this thing, Bitcoin, isn't 
a bunch, just a bunch of charlatans. There are a bunch of charlatans that, that create a lot of noise and, and obfuscate what's actually happening. Um, but that the Bitcoin community, um, cares deeply about very important things and this is very important. And so, um, I hope that the community comes out and learns from ranchers and the ranchers get an impression that, that, that Bitcoiners aren't just, you know, about, you know, stock trading and, and shit posting on Twitter, um, that, that, they're here to invest time and energy in people that are willing to reciprocate. Yeah, well, I, and I really want the the Bitcoin and a rancher message to get through because you, you're seeing like people hang up, hang it up because the, the costs are getting too high. They're just selling their whole their whole herd. They're like, we we can't do it anymore. They want to do it, but they. I mean, that's what creates a food crisis, though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like it's important. Like we need to. The Bitcoiner and a rancher information trade like needs to happen because it, our food supply is in danger. It is. Yeah, you want to see it firsthand? Just <clears throat> drive to Round Rock, jump off seventy nine, go east, and start watching how many of these farmland tracks are turning into development. It, it is heartbreaking for me on the banking side of things because I saw so many producers that we've helped for years and years with financing. Um, step away but hell from the producer standpoint i can't blame them we've been bust they've been busting their ass for years and years and years and now they're finally getting the reward or they're finally getting their retirement because the 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 industry isn't giving it to them and so you look at how much farmland is gone now you look at how much of this you know not going into seed oils and row crop farming and all that today <laughs> but you look at how many of them have put their whole lives into production agriculture and you'll see how much of it's gone. It it continues to be developed, and um, yeah, that's going to inevitably cause some shortages. Yeah, the, the, the Bitcoin. It, this is uh, Michael Goldstein and I were talking about like a potential talk. It's like the low time preference as a as a concept that aligns very well with Bitcoiners. Obviously, Bitcoin is sound money that you can store away and have a low time preference, and know that you can invest that capital in the future. Uh, and then ranching too is low time preference, and ran, like what you just described, ranchers have been uh, embarking on this low time preference action for for years and years and years, and they're not being rewarded for the the hard toil and actually lowering their time preference because they're not allowed to because the money's broken like, uh, unless they're able to invest in the stock market and, and sure. pick the right investments, which a rancher most likely does not have time for that, right? Right. Yeah, so Bitcoin just making it as simple as possible. I mean, it sounds crazy. It is a shame that there are charlatans and you have people fucking pimping JPEGs of of apes and yeah. pretending like that's like the the biggest innovation of our time and really getting distracted by that that Silicon Valley, New York, Miami scene where it's all flashbang. Like we're getting rich in the digital economy. It's like motherfuckers. The physical economy is deteriorating in front of your eyes. Like yeah. put the apes down, and go fucking work with the ranchers and embolden them so that your food is secure. You're not going to care about that. You're not going to be able to eat that bored ape <laughs> when shit hits the fan. You don't have any food. Well, and that's where the, you know, the the true ignorance and willful ignorance that is out there in in the innocent innocence of of basically the ignorance to a lot of ranchers that basically 
don't understand technology. They don't have time to understand technology. They, they're trying to be ranchers. They're, they're, they're stewarding our food and they're stewarding our land. And so by saying that, I, I see that as a big threat to the ranchers because they do. They get, you know, LARPed on. They get everything thrown in their face and it causes a lot of confusion. And so we've got to stop that as far as people that are intentional with the, in the Bitcoin space is that, that we've got to bring some type of new form of education, which goes back to the why of things. We've got to help them understand that this is basically, we don't need NFTs or freaking cows here. This is not going to solve you and it's not going to save you. It's going to be a flash in the pan and you're going to end up wrecked because you're going to be thinking that digitizing your cow in any way is going to benefit you and it's going to just basically lead down to a bad path. Yep. So once again, here we go. Why are we doing this in the Bitcoin space is to get to the brass tacks of what food is again and what got us here and what is a true store of value in your life. And it even takes you into understanding why the hell do I desire what I desire when I've been, what, I, what I've been consuming my whole life. All those questions that get answered, and especially with the type of forum that we've created in this conference. I mean, every touch point that we is, should be looking at right now in the United States and across the world, we're going to be able to answer those questions. And we have proof of work now. And it happened in a very short period of time. Yeah. Times are dire, freaks. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you say that, and it is. It's 100%. I mean, Marty, you know better than anybody. Parker, you know better than anybody. You understand what's going on in this world. And that's why you're doing what you're doing. And, the, and you're very intentionally very damn good at it. What people need to understand is that you know, I, I tell I tell people, especially in the Bitcoin space, you cannot bitch about a debased dollar and not be bitching about a debased food. And just because it tastes good does not mean that you're getting a good deal with your nutrition. And we talk about this food supply shortage. And I said it back in September. I said, what I think they will do in this time frame, I think we said around summertime, is that they would basically fabricate a short-term food supply shortage. And what that does is that increases the nutritional starvation in which we are facing right now because of our health. And so even if people don't get a food supply as far as a tangible food uh, shortage, what they're going to do is their nutrition is going to decrease and they're going to make it taste even better. And they're going to make it taste even better. And they know this. They know that they can do this. And in, in by knowing Cole Bolton right now and Justin and Jason, that I have beef, you know, getting beef from every one of them. I don't have to worry about this noise anymore, man. And I don't give a shit anymore. What I give a shit about is, is this relationship right here. Well, it's scary. The thought though, like if, if too many people get led down that, that road or they're eating nutritionally, um, not dense, but void, void food. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've seen it in front of like owls lacrosse. We have an owl here, yeah. but like <laughs> owls lacrosse in Chicago, the inner city lacrosse program I, I helped get off the ground when I was in college like those kids are eating honey buns and yeah. uh, shit sugary drinks going to school and they, they literally can't think so like imagine this on I mean it's already pretty bad here in the United States but if you exacerbate that problem like actually fucking up the food to a certain extent is a control mechanism because people can't think for themselves 100% they're they're, they're, they're more uh, attuned to just becoming a passive and just going along with things because like, they're hungry and they're like, all right, sure. you want the food, eat this. 
and I'll do this. Well, that's why they're easily, you know, our food right now, and you talk to the some of the, the experts that I do know in the industrial food complex, you know, you look at that as far as, you know, the nutrition itself, the inflammation of people's brains is real and it is caused by the processed foods. And so we look at our country and we say, you know, we, we say, oh, they're young, they can eat anything they want. Food's not the same as it was 10 years ago, guys. I mean, it has changed. We have, we've had four major consolidations of a global food group that's been going on behind everybody's basically understanding in their purview for at least since 1995 that is definitely kicking in the high gear. This new transition that we're going as far as, you know, stealing the animal protein out of our, our, our consumption models, the attack on the American rancher, the Canadian rancher, you know, basically North America, you know, this consolidated effort that's going on, you can say it's a conspiracy, you can say, but it's happening. And with having the medical community here, like I said, you know, the insulin uh, that we're having to dole out to kids now, whenever you have 46% of your children in the United States that between the ages of five and 11 are obese and overweight and are, are uh, one out of three of them are going already going into diabetes, there's a problem here and people need to wake up. And, you know, you can't yell at people to make them change. What you can do is make them want to change within that lifestyle. Now I'm getting infuriated. Talk about like a public health crisis. It's, yeah. it's a freaking crisis, man. Nobody's and nobody's about talking it. about it. Well, we, we just de desensitize death in this country too, you know, with COVID. So people aren't paying attention to what really is going on within our, the brains of our children and the brains of ourselves. And it's daunting. But what you do is you understand what, what protein does for you, animal protein. It's what got us here. So let's start to the source of the damn seed of nutrition. Yeah. And I think the other thing kind of bringing that back to Bitcoin is that when you, when you start talking about some of those ideas, they are daunting and that um, just as with Bitcoin, you can't change the whole system overnight. You can, you can only be some small part of the solution, but what, what this weekend represents is like, yeah, people, you know, it's not going to fix itself. Right. And you're not going to solve everybody's problems at once you got to start somewhere and you got to first focus like Cole can feed us, but he's not gonna be able to feed everybody in Austin. Um, but we can help be one, you know, like I think about as chopping wood, right? We go out, we meet a bunch of people, we educate about Bitcoin. They educate us about their businesses. We figure out how we can help each other because they have tools that we have and they obviously have tools that we need. Um, and, but that, it, but it's not an overcomable challenge that, that you have to, start somewhere. And I think the the beautiful thing about Bitcoiners is that they're not afraid of the, of the task at hand. And they're also don't become consumed at all of the uncertainty. It's just like, okay, how do I get, get up and go one foot in front of the other and help be one small part of a much bigger solution and events like these that, that we're going to uh, be a part of this weekend or, um, or are part of that part of that process. So I just think I encourage everybody to come out to Kerrville. Yeah. One step at a time. Yeah. Get your ass to Kerrville. But yeah, like we could look back and this could be like the bottom of, of the despair of the food industry. Like mm -hmm. we could be only on the up and up from here because you guys have yeah. put feet to the ground, pen to paper, hand to soil and like started this movement and there's already momentum behind it. It seems like it's just going to accelerate after we get people meeting in person. And so as we prepare for Saturday. One thing that you mentioned, I can't get out of my mind is how do we make it as easy as possible for a rancher 
to get onboarded to Bitcoin or understand Bitcoin sure. and cut out all the noise? Is it as simple as like, here's how you download a wallet and create an invoice? Well, that, and that's a great, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. We've been working on it for a couple months. After the conference, we're going to have a webinar series and it's going to be totally directed towards the, the farmer and rancher in the United States. And it, they're going to, it's going to be free. It's going to be open to everybody. It's going to be open sourced. And what we're going to do is we're going to start from the ground up and we're going to say, this is where you start. And so we're, we're creating a, a library of education about Bitcoin, the why first. And that, as I spoke of earlier, once we get that going, you know, what happens with ranchers, they teach each other. And so once we get that fundamental foundation layer of value of understanding and educating about Bitcoin, these ranchers are going to go out because they do meet other ranchers. They are talking and they're educating each other, but they just don't understand basically the right, basically rabbit hole to go down. Basic, you know, wh where do I start? So I'd say within two weeks, you're going to have a educational series that we're going to point everybody at. And that's what, and that's going to, once again, the bit, the beef initiative is that gateway of education of into the Bitcoin, because it's one thing that I've seen. Nobody really needs, knows how to start with that. And, and it will, it will help each individual understand Bitcoin in a way that they can use to better their lives right now with that slow roll and that low time preference into understanding Bitcoin and make those small changes. And, you know, as Cole has done, you know, he's progressed so much since, you know, last September into where he is now. Look where we are right now. What has that been? Less than six months that we got here? Yeah. And all these ranchers are going to be able to do it in that time frame. And Cole, you know, said back in October, he goes, there's a perfect storm coming in 2020, 2022. And, and he's damn right. And, it, and basically this weekend is when that perfect storm really gets to be communicated. And we're going to say about the problems, the issues, but what we're going to do is there's, there's a solution here. And we're going to look at a 24-month solution that your life is going to be much better. And we're actually going to be leading that, you know, all of us in there. Yeah. Where, so, are you going to say something? No. Yeah. Where, uh, if any freaks listening right now are like, all right, I'm going to Kerrville, where do they go? Um, beefinitiative.com. And the uh, ticket page is right there. All the information you need is beefinitiative.com. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, I know you've got to get going. Uh, do you have any final words before we wrap up here? No. <clears throat> Hope to see everyone uh, listening at the conference this weekend. Uh, aside from that, feel free to uh, continue looking at the beefinitiative.com. Uh, uh, you can purchase your Bitcoin beef boxes there. Uh, just the same if you're wanting to buy in bulk like you, Marty. Um, they can also come to kncattle.com. We sell halves, quarters, and holes for those that want to prepare for the bigger food issues that are coming down the line. It's a great, great tool uh, to use. And more than anything, you get to try so many different cuts of meat and I'll be there to walk you all the way through the process. So, um, Parker, any, anything you want to wrap up with? Any fighting words? I just say get to Kerrville. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a special time. Also, all, I mean, honestly, if there's Bitcoiner in the city of Austin and they're around this weekend, it's a two-hour drive. Um, but uh, but a lot of people fly in for BitDev, so hopefully a lot of people will come out to the Texas Hill Country. It's a special place. And, um, and then, you know, ultimately... Bitcoiners know other ranchers. I hope everybody gets gets the people out in the ranching community as well. I know um, Slim and Cole are doing doing their part, um, but the more people there, the the um, faster and and more this will accelerate. Um, and so 
I think that that it's it's about being part of the solution and uh, investing time in good people. So um, I'm just excited to to go out there. And if people follow my Twitter handle, Parker A. Lewis. I'll probably tweet about it about 10 times between <laughs> now and this weekend. So get to BitDevs on Thursday and uh, get to Kerrville, Texas on, on Saturday. Well, and that's what I want to reinforce before we wrap up here. Like you can be part of the solution. You do not have to wait for the political class to fix this no, problem. No. Like you can go shake your rancher's hand. You can support them, figure out how you can support them and then how we can all support each other because that's, Really, what has gotten into this problem is central planning and, and depending on central planning to fix your problems. It's not going to happen. Yeah. They're not coming to save you. They're not going to co come save you. They're actually going to make your life material or worse off. You have to get off your ass. You have to get out to Kerrville. You have to get out to wherever your local ranch is and begin communicating these ideas uh, because the, the government is not coming to save you. You have to save yourself. Yeah, and... And by saying that, I always like to paint a picture with my words. And I'm going to give an example of if basically how this can transpire for everybody that's listening right now, everybody in this room. Last September when I started this, I'm not a cattle rancher, right? I don't own cattle last year. Well, this year, at the end of this year, Texas Slim is going to own cattle. I'm going to basically know who's stewarding that cattle. It's going to be down in central Texas. It's going to be in the panhandle of Texas. I don't own any land. What I do is I know how to go up and shake a rancher's hand. And by doing that, how I'm building this case study that we're going to move forward with, that's going to be offered to everybody that's listening to this podcast, and we're going to make it happen. Let's do it. Gentlemen. Yes. It's a pleasure being on the front lines with you all. Always. Thanks Peace. for having us. Absolutely. Peace and love, freaks. Thanks, Marty.